Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Living Light Outdoors. On the mic tonight with a story time with Buster. We're going to catch up, finish this chapter that we started last Saturday. I'm uh, going to finish it out. It's This is the, the, the book, The Valley, the chapter's uh, the battle when we just saw where they'd split into smaller groups. If you remember right, if you haven't, if you haven't kept up with these, you need to go back and, and and listen to the series. It's really good. This is a really good book. There's a lot of great teaching that you can pull out of this. Uh, you're going to see some of that really quick right as we get into this tonight. There's some really useful things that that if we pay attention to them as as followers of Christ, we can get them sorted out and do better in our life and in our role with Him. So we're going to jump into this tonight with, uh, this is out of Rick Joyner's book, The Valley. Uh, we're in the chapter, The Battle, and we're going to re- resume where we left off uh, in the midst of this chapter. As big and powerful as we had become, there were still attacks from without, and they began to increase. As strong as we had become in our unity, there were also some divisions that rose up from within. I had always wondered how Aaron Miriam and the other rebels in the camp of Israel had been so arrogant as to rebel against Moses with the Lord so present among them. But as an old friend used to teach, and what I now know is an irrefutable truth, people are crazy. All of us are insane to the degree that we are not abiding in the Lord, and we can drift very far from him in our hearts even while in his presence. This we learned. Some of these attacks and divisions were devastating and left many wounded. However, because of the way the body was now functioning, they did not stay wounded for long. The healing ministry had become so effective that all wounds were healed fast. The only ones that were not healed were those that got separated from the group. These would usually get picked up or picked off by the enemy fast. Those that became separated and picked off by the enemy were the ones that were not quick to forgive or were easily offended. They could be very strong, wise, and mature in every other way, but these two things would make them vulnerable. As we learned, this forgiveness and the resolve not to be offended were messages shared repeatedly throughout the camps. We also learned to watch out for any who were succumbing to offense and were not forgiving quick enough. As we moved, we won battles. Some were significant. We suffered losses with every battle. It was not just the size of the battle that determined the losses as as we suffered some of the greatest loss in some of the smaller battles. We learned that the threat was not about how big the enemy was as much as what the enemy was. The enemies that were the most effective against us were criticism, accusation, and self-righteousness, though at times great losses came from greed and lust. These seemed feeble in comparison to some of the other enemies that we faced but they wreaked great havoc among us. The enemy also seemed to be getting more effective at finding unhealed wounds to sow his poison into. This is where many of the divisions within the camp came from. Because of this, even the smallest unhealed wound became a very serious matter. The further we got into the valley, the more dangerous any unhealed offenses or wounds could be. Over time, the nature of the accusations being hurled at the movements in the valley became increasingly extreme. We did not pay much attention to these at first, because it seemed that they were getting so extreme that no thinking person would take them seriously. That proved to be a big mistake, as there were not as many thinking people as we supposed. For a long time, the the enemy had worked at changing education into indoctrination, 
especially in the mentality of the accuser. It was paying off for him. Everyone who was not in a tight group that watched out for each other was beginning to suffer almost constant wounding. The people started to react more to pain than to reason. The effect of the constant accusations and rumors was that people were quickly conditioned to accept them. It then began to feel like the very atmosphere of the valley was being saturated by a terrible and toxic flammable gas. We began to sense that even in a little spark could set off a massive persecution. It was not long before the spark came. A factor that made us vulnerable to what unfolded was how our success had caused us to become contemptuous of the evil horde. We were almost daily recovering our brethren who had been captured by it because it was so easy to raid. We did not even suspect that this was setting us up for the enemy's biggest weapon of all, pride. As our contempt for the evil horde grew, our vigilance gradually decreased. For this reason, it became easier for the enemy to raid us and to surround us with evil power. Then they began to get inside the camp. The Lord warned us over and over through dreams, visions, and the watchmen, but we had become so comfortable and arrogant that we could not hear the warnings or even see the signs that, were, that we were vulnerable. When the onslaught began, we were fighting in every direction, from without and within, and against a fury we had not experienced before. The results were immediate and devastating. Then they got worse. In just a few days, our conversation had gone from how to totally defeat the enemy horde to wondering if any of us would survive. The casualties from friendly fire were soon as great as those from the evil ones. Large groups started breaking away from the main body and disappeared into the valley. Some of these re reappeared to viciously attack us. We were soon down to half our recent numbers and losing more by the day. We looked for help to come from the other movements in the valley, but none did. Later, we found out that every other advancing movement in the valley was also being attacked with such force they could not come to our aid. Neither could we go to theirs. We had been caught in a perfect storm. Our arrogance had weakened us and blinded us to the enemy's strengthening. As should have been foreseen, the most destructive attack on us came from accusations. Most were outlandish, even incomprehensible. But when they came from other movements in the valley and were fueled by the atmosphere of jealousy and distrust that had been subtly building, we were trapped in a diabolical crossfire. Most of the petty innuendo that we had refused to answer or even acknowledge, this turned out to be a mistake. We learned the hard way why the New Testament epistles were filled with the apostles countering such attacks. They would prevail if they were not confronted. Even though this understanding came late, it did help when we began to counter the assaults. When we began to push back on the assaults, not by attacking those making them, but sometimes just simply stating that they were not true, it began to turn the tide. We had been so used to being on the offensive we hardly knew how to fight defensively. But when we did take a stand on anything, it helped, and sometimes could stop a huge onslaught. As we began to stand and recover some of our aggressiveness, the results were quick and dramatic. This restored hope, and hope is a powerful weapon in any battle. Faster than we could have imagined, the tide turned. The storm died down almost as fast as it had broken upon us. By this time, there were very few of us left. We had lost more than 90% of our numbers. Everyone who was left was wounded and some badly. We did not know it at the time, but the evil horde had just about completely expended itself in the attack. Our pushback, as feeble as it seemed, had not just been a shock to the evil horde, 
it exposed how weak it was. Quickly, the enemy camp was dealing with their own divisions and rebellions. After just a few days of relative rest, we were recovered enough to begin sending teams to raid the enemy camp. We were determined to recover as many of ours that had been captured as we could. We were so successful that the enemy moved as far from us as they could. We then went into pursuit mode, but were too weary to go far. Even so, the word that we were on the attack again brought back to us some of those who had been scattered. The healing ministry that had been so effective before went to a new level. We were now only a fraction of the size we had been, but we were becoming a force again. We were also wiser and far more humble. With the enemy now at such a distance and those in our camp so exhausted, we decided to take a few more days to rest and evaluate all that we had learned. We started with the victories we had achieved against the enemy strongholds. We looked at what had worked and what had not worked. The lessons were profound. We could not help but to think how much more effective we could have been if we had known much of this when we entered the, entered the valley. So we recorded our conclusions to distribute to others in the valley. The healing teams did the same for the most effective ways to dress and heal different types of wounds. We also gave an account of how the spirit of accusation had been used to set us up for the most deadly attacks, and how our arrogance had opened us up to what had nearly destroyed us. We held nothing back. Even our most foolish and embarrassing mistakes, we also told about how our hope had been recovered, which resulted in our ultimate victory. That is, if the conclusion of all that had happened was a victory. To have lost so many hardly felt like a victory. But we had survived. Not only survived, we got back on the offensive, driving the enemy off and starting to recover and restore the wounded and scattered. Because our reputation had been so assaulted, we questioned who might want to read these accounts. But we trusted that they would be helpful to at least some who might come into the valley. We felt a great anointing writing them and thought that these lessons were far too valuable not to pass on if possible. The enemy hordes had been populated mostly by captured, deceived Christians. The horde called itself the true church, and was recognized by most non-Christians as the real church. We were outside the camp, and most of the groups like us that were fighting through the valley were now considered cults or sects that were in the rebellion to the church. Even though we were now a fraction of what we had once been, we could not help but to be encouraged by the way our people had fought. We were small now, but we were still strong enough that the evil horde had outnumbered us as many times over had retreated after our relatively weak counterattacks. This gave us more reason for hope. We could not help but to be concerned about what this battle had done to all of the bystanders in the valley. To them, this great battle was considered to have been a great civil war in the church. We wondered if it had muddied the water that it would have a major impact on the coming harvest in, part, in this part of the valley. As we surveyed the potential of those that were left in our camp, I considered that we could be an even more powerful force than we had been in our great numbers. They fought well when it seemed unlikely that any of us would survive, but we had survived, and even turned the tide again. Our faith level was now higher than ever because of it. At the height of our pride, we actually considered our pride to be faith, but now we knew there was a big difference. It was not likely that we could make this mistake again. Knowing this, as we did now, could make the biggest difference going forward. As our wounds healed, our koinonia fellowship went to a new level as well. Few things bond people together the way fighting in a surviving great battles can. We had been welded together by an ultimate adversity and survived. 
It was a unity greater than we had experienced, and unity unleashes even more faith and power. We did not know at the time, but this was what the Lord was after far more than the great numbers we had been able to gather. He cares about numbers and desires for all to be saved, but this unity was going to be much more important for the battle to come and could result in the salvation of many times more. So we were a far smaller group, but we felt that we were a far more powerful force now. Even so, the enemy had done a masterful job of wounding almost everyone in the valley and creating increasingly acrimonious divisions between almost every group passing through the valley and also among the races, cultures, and other identities of non-Christians living there. These divisions were fed and increased by agents that sowed self-pity everywhere. This seemed a ridiculous strategy for the enemy, but it turned out to be one of the more brilliant ones. This produced a victim mentality in almost every group that had kept them far from the things that could have healed their wounds. Everyone was hurt, mad, and quick to blame others for their pain. This was setting the whole valley up for a violence like there had never been before. But that would also be a setup for a healing ministry like that valley had never seen and one that all of the great battles had been used to raise up and prepare. As we began to move forward again, we were appalled by how the great battlefield left so many wounded scattered all over the valley. There had been multitudes of devastated churches, movements, and missions. We set about to recover and restore as many as possible, as we had learned to do, but it seemed now to be many times more daunting of a task than before. As our numbers and strength were being replenished, we started to consider how to go after the evil horde again and to recover all who had been lost. We did not know that this would not be necessary. The weapons that the enemy had fashioned to use against us would be the source of the demise of this part of, the, of his army. The evil horde was considered to be the true church now by most of the wounded people in the valley. With such poison flowing through them, the people began to accuse the evil horde for their problems. With the atmosphere so charged with bitterness and rage, the extreme accusations made against the horde rose very fast, and soon even eclipsed what had been hurled at us. The different groups within the horde started blaming and turning on the others in their company. The meltdown and devastation came fast, and was so complete that we just stood and marveled. A result of this was that the multitude of Christian captives were freed, but still very wounded, oppressed, and bound in spirit. We then tried to move as close to the battle as we could to help recover those that could be healed. Some could, but some were so wounded from this catastrophe that they were much more outraged and toxic than those we had met in the first night of the valley. We were able to help a few, but only a few. Soon we had no choice but to move out of the region of devastation from the evil horde. Powerful spirits of fear were moving in to gather the horde again into an army bound together by fear. Soon the evil horde was bigger than before and growing. There was nothing Christian about it any longer. It was a religion and a very dark one. We had no choice but to back off. The entire valley was now inflamed and far more dangerous than when we had entered it. The groups and movements like ours that had been considered cults and sects were believed by most to have been eradicated. However, those that were left were doing what we were doing, seeking to understand the situation we were now in and seeking the Lord for what we should do. We knew that we were still here to destroy the works of the devil, but now those works had seemingly become much stronger and many times more numerous. In council, we resolved to continue following the path staying close to the living water, and recovering and restoring those that we could. We would continue to attack every stronghold of the enemy that we encountered, just as we had been instructed. 
We had just begun to move when we came to the gate. What a story. Man, I hope you're I hope you're really following this. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. It will continue. We will continue on again next week. Uh, we'll we'll keep moving through this. We're almost done, actually. Um, we may move into another one when this one's done. Man, I'd love to hear your feedback on these. I I know you know I I, I give a lot of messages. I speak a lot of things. Um, I like these. I, I like the story time. I hope you do as well. I hope you're following along, and I hope it's doing something for you. This little piece of the last of this chapter with the battle you could pretty much equate to where we are today spiritually. I don't know if you can see that. Maybe you go back and listen to this again in that aspect. Look at how it literally portrays where we are today. Uh, man, are we not in the valley of the shadow of death today? Uh, and and are, are the accusations coming against God's movement from what might be considered the real church <laughs> that, that the enemy has put together Man, it, I love I love the depiction of this. I love how it puts it together. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for following. Thank you so much for listening. Again, love to hear from you. Shoot us a message. Get on Facebook. Shoot us a message. Send us a note. Whatever you need to. Would love to hear from you. Love some feedback. Amen. We love you. Rhonda and I are praying for you. Praying for all who listen to our, me- our messages that come out of here. Continue to pray for us, please. Uh, we are in this battle. Uh, we are moving forward. We are doing everything we can to follow the Lord and where he wants us to be in the midst of all of this. If you can support us financially, that'd be awesome too. But more than anything, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep pressing on towards the goal. Amen. We love you. God bless you. We will talk to you again real soon.